we are live 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 all right okay nice so here's what we're going to be doing today. for anybody who's just joined me on youtube for people who have already been on my instagram we are going to talk about a few things that are extremely relevant in times like these um new is which is where i live new york is absolutely not regular life is going on just as is but um there is enough cause to worry as far as new york is concerned and i have been trying to reach out to a lot of my associates a lot of the people that i hang out with and i consult with to talk about the coronavirus a lot of people have chosen not to for a specific reason and a lot of people have you know kind of chosen not to because of give me a second give me a second give me a second i hope my audio is clear audio is uh, clear okay i guess give me one more second give me one more second one second one second one second one second right in in general we'll be go over some of the housekeeping stuff um some stuff that is essentially important to do um can you guys on youtube hear me using this mic is the audio clear if somebody is watching can you please let me know all right um right so here is how we're going to do it we first going to go over some housekeeping stuff we'll we'll talk about coronavirus a little bit not too long then i'll go extensively into the way i read which i think i hadn't formulated up until it was so unique or for that matter so helpful for people who did not read like me but that has helped me incredibly go through books incredibly fast and that i think is an essential part of what i want to go through um and then eventually i will take some questions that i have received over on my instagram and if there is somebody on my uh, chat chat rooms they can they can ask me questions all right right the first thing that i want especially people who are listening to me in india the first thing that i want you to understand very very clearly or even for that matter in the united states is that you need to stop asking what's next my hindi channel i'm going to drop a video along the very same lines but the fundamental reason why you need to stop asking what's next is because this is a game that is more complicated than we think it is what does that mean so what's going to happen is you're going to ask me what what is up next and i say boss what is up next is xyz abc so on and so forth and i will usually give you a long run picture you will then see the long run outcome and then use the long run outcome to evaluate your short term decisions basically what you will do in a in a cricket simplified language is you will evaluate the game in a test match model and then try to play like that in your 2020 format and if anybody has ever watched cricket they understand that that's not how you play this game right there is um, when we study phenomena as complex as the coronavirus spread for that matter but even even more complex from there such as weather mapping and reality mapping as such there is something we use called chaos theory chaos theory is a specific branch of physics popularly known as butterfly effect you all heard of that right and what chaos theory or butterfly effect purports as a law is that the initial conditions where situations are right now what stuff looks like right now is absolutely very 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 sensitive so if you change the initial conditions even the slightest that means there is a lot that will get changed in the eventual conditions if somebody seen the film jab we met there is an example that the ticket checker uses he says that if there's one inch of difference between the rail tracks now it means a forever difference towards a few miles down the line it just diverges like that and chaos theory is more divergent 
than rail tracks. It's not linearly divergent, it's exponentially divergent. And for that reason, we need to secure ourselves more calmly and we need to operate from a myopic place. We need to force a myopia on us. This forced myopia, the idea of a forced myopia is very, very essential in a lot of situations where the long run, lo the, the long run does not represent the short run and the short run does not represent the long run entirely. So because things are about to get worse before they get better, we cannot be operating from a place where we are looking at into the future, evaluating a safe option and then doing what we're doing or evaluating a panic stricken option in the future or end of the world kind of scenario and do what we must right now. It makes you vulnerable enough to make more mistakes. And that is why I think for now we should shut the hell up. We as in the lay people, the lay people, people like you and I, we should stop asking what is going to be next. We should be very, very cautious of not discussing that over chai and over biscuits and over all that jazz about, okay, this is what I think will happen next because that is subconsciously going to influence your decisions. And it's very important you play this game tightly right now. All right. Also, what is very important to understand as far as the lockdowns and the quarantines around the world are concerned, that to understand a pandemic, especially like the one that we're facing right now, it's important to have a three axis graph. This is also something I've covered already, but one of the graph is that of fertility. The other is contagiousness. And finally is unpredictability, X, Y, and Z. Right? Fertility is low. We understand that. It's not as bad as black death or bubonic plague. It's really not, right? We also understand the contagiousness is kind of moderate, but the unpredictability, especially on the healthcare system, what will happen? if everybody ends up at the hospital, it's way too high. And this quarantine lockdown measure has been instantiated to solve index Z more than X and Y. We understand that this quarantine, this lockdown is not going to kill the virus. It's not going to kill the virus. It's only going to make sure that our healthcare systems are not overburdened. Right? And sort of this lockdown and this quarantine is, 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 is sort of science and medicine buying time from society. Listen, wait, 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 wait. We'll solve this. Right? We understand that the economy will suffer. We understand that's inevitably going to be the case. But this is all we have right now. We, what I think the experts are trying to play this out is that we will consider taking a mutable damage in the future. But for now, we need to get our grips together. It's sort of like that scene in the film where a gorilla invades a mansion and there's all these people inside that mansion and the gorilla is wrecking havoc. And all these people hide in rooms because they're like, we need to recalibrate. We need to think what we need to do. So that is the moment we are at right now. The gorilla is still doing damage that can be repaired future in, in the future, sort of. I don't mean that. Deaths are irreparable. We don't really have an alternative. The alternatives, the alternatives, much like what we are doing right now is also an illusion of randomness. We understand people are going to die. There is no way people are not going to die. We understand people are going to die. But we will make it as out of our control as possible. That's the illusion of randomness. We do that. We understand that there is going to be inequality in society. Right? But we want to do it in a way where it is so separated from our control that whoever ends up poor, whoever ends up unequal, it's chance. Even though there is some mathematics that will fix that in order, we just get to it. But we then prefer an illusion of randomness. Right. The reason why we choose to quarantine instead of go the other routes, which is like, OK, we'll take some damage, but resolve our economy, blah, 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 is that we do not want deaths not being because of randomness. 
we are fine with nature killing us we are not fine with ourselves killing ourselves and we want to separate ourselves from the outcome as randomness you can you can understand that with almost all statistical uh, phenomena intelligence intelligence gets distributed as long as it's random as long as it's random i'm fine i'm fine as as long as it's random even the the, the highest matrices of equality and equity that we talk about especially in western literature are prone to letting the illusion of randomness slip inside that is a very solid critique for all kinds of equity equality based movements that you can have that the illusion of randomness persists that's what you eventually desire you don't even you most people understand that it's going to be very difficult to flatten any curve not just the coronavirus curve any curve but let's just have it in a way where whoever's going to die is going to die instead of i controlling who's going to die or everybody controlling who's going to die right if once you understand that and if you're searching for what to do what is your opinion on this lockdown you establish what your threshold for us 3 degrees 4 degrees okay economy then let's open people going to work koi baat nahi that's that's my, but you know that, that's how process basically works you establish a threshold of the illusion of randomness and then you move forward oh my camera has been the opposite way wait a second thank god somebody texted me about it huh <laughs> all right i got a text message on my phone let's keep going um i'm i'm not i'm not going to give you a list of 10 10 things to do and of a smart alternative i don't think when emotions are that high it is good to burden yourself and i don't care what youtube experts and personality development first of all how do you develop your personality when all this is going on you have no social interaction so i don't care what youtube experts and and other people have to say about this i think there is only one or two things that you can take up especially when times are tough there is only one or two things that you can take up especially when times are tough and i'd rather have one of those things to be meditation i'd rather have you be suggested by me to start meditating to start hearing in this global silence that we are a part of right now i want you to learn how to be silent i want you to sit down with yourself and let your mind talk i want you to allow your mind to speak to you about the number of things that bother you until it falls silent until the minute it is no longer speaking to you it is desirable that you meditate and i mean it does not have to be in one stretch like i don't want you to sit down at i don't know 5 am and then just keep talking all the way until like i don't know 12 am i stop one hour a day 30 minutes a day that's good enough but the second thing i want you to focus on in this time especially something that's helped me a lot is um yes I will sing my song. <laughs> the second thing that I want want you to focus on is um, essentially what I call horizontal learning, synthetic learning. Synthetic learning, and what synthetic learning is basically, synthetic learning is you amalgamating. more than one position into your superposition so position position superposition right there are two parts of my mind that are battling there are two parts of the scientific discipline that are battling what is the superposition that combines the two of them is synthetical learning and the way you do it is first you introduce a forced variable that is in opposition to what you already know i for one and i'll be very honest about it i was speaking to somebody about it earlier today i get bored i get bored thinking that i think right if it's for too long i have to introduce a forced variable that is in opposition to what i think 
So one of the ways in which you can do that, horizontal learning, is you learn something, is you do a skill that you are not a part of inherently. Say, I'm not an artist. I don't draw. I start drawing. And the, 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 uh, the ultimate reason is not to learn how to draw. It's to learn how, say, for instance, if I'm good at mathematics, is to learn how mathematics translates into drawing and how drawing translates into mathematics. And then how they the, how they're encompassed with physics. And what is, what is eventually going to happen is I'm going to a super atmosphere of positions, a set of superpositions. That is how you grow in, at least in the way I like to grow. There is, of course, linear learning. You vertically build on top of each other continuously, continuously, continuously. There is vertical learning, right? But a horizontal learning sphere, I think, covers more breadth. And then you can choose your vertical and keep growing on that. So, I mean, I don't know. If you're interested in coding, pick up philosophy. If you're interested in, let's just say, physical movement, pick up nutritional sciences and, 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 and biochemistry. You integrate the many pieces of the world into your own atmosphere of superpositions. And I think this is a very good time to do that because your mind is silent enough. Since all the worries of the world are astray, all of them are away. Your mind is silent enough for you to incorporate these many things. Finally, I sincerely doubt bioterrorism as a case behind this entire coronavirus thing. I'm not ruling it out. It might be possible, but I would rate it at 1% or 2% for now. I don't think the evidence on that is clear yet. So my prediction on that phenomenon is going to be, and here is why this entire case of bioterrorism, it's the reason why people are shouting about bioterrorism all across their social medias and in whatever form or fashion they can communicate is because it is so simple when you have somebody to blame. Just like it is so simple when you have some certainty about the future. It's going to be all right. It's, it's basically your mind not wanting to be taxed. Now, if there is nobody to blame, we are constantly in a state of panic without any point of psychological orientation. Any. None. And from there, this need to call culprit or create certainty in the future. Which calling culprit is also creating certainty in some sense. Edmund Burke, who was Martin Heidegger's teacher, known for very few philosophical concepts, even though I think he was a smart enough philosopher, spoke about this, that at the base of human motivation is to establish certainty. And in fact, a lot of psychological science ends up supporting that too. And this bioterrorism, this case of bioterrorism is not taking the intellectual burden of thinking about what to do with this problem. It just simplifies it. China is already a good enough scapegoat. And I'm not saying China is good. Like, I have enough reasons to criticize the Chinese, Chinese way of being, at least in the modern sense. But it's the, just the perfect scapegoat. And I'm surprised this did not come up months plus. Why did, this not, why did this news not come up like two months ago? It's only happening once it entered India and the United States. It's so weird. Like, I never, I never received any tweets from Italy or Iran talking about it. But this is just us establishing certainty in a time of massive uncertainty. Right. I know a lot of people have been asking me about my personal journey. And I will sort of quickly, because I'm a very shy person otherwise, <laughs> I will sort of quickly go over what my personal journey has been. So um, people understand 
where I'm coming from. All right. My name is Prakhar. I hope you know that by now. If you're watching this, I'm 24 years old. I live in New York City. I grew up in India, Faridabad, near New Delhi. Faridabad is a suburb where I grew for the first 21 years of my life. I lived there. I moved to New York about three years ago now. I am a student of economics and psychology at Columbia University. And I have formerly been a student of accountancy and finance in the form of chartered accountancy and corporate law and compliance in the form of company secretary. Um, I hated both of them. When I finished high school, I was just having so much fun being me. That I was like, whatever is fine. And my parents were like, okay, enroll yourself in a chartered accountancy course. That's what we do. And that's what you do. And I was like, okay, why well, fine. And tell my dad, hey, dad, I don't want to do it. And my dad's like, listen, if somebody's, if, if an elder tells you, this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you're supposed to do. And that is a cultural meme that exists in our society, right? If an elder tells you something to do, there is no way around it. That's what you do, right? And um, my uncle, my, my dad's business partner, my dad's, uh, my, uh, my dad's best friend was very, very supportive at that point. He was, he convinced my father to show me the right from wrong. Why must I listen to my elders? Why is it that what he's saying is correct? And that sort of, that sort of allows me to tell you how important reasoning has been in my life. It's been forever. Since I was three, my father's been telling me all these philosophically extrapolated stories from the Mahabharata and the Ramayana. I played chess for a long time. I read books since I was like 12, 11. My mother put me into reading books. It's always been a fancy for me. I've always liked it. Right? Um, so when my when my dad and my uncle uh, sat down and, and I left that room pretty convinced that I should continue doing CA, about a year or two into it, I was like, this is not going to work out. I'm not going to be able to do this. This shit is not made for me. I have a, I have a very hard time liking this stuff. I am so philosophically bent. How can I learn how to write a meaningless language of accountancy that is predicated on a binary of debit and credit. It broke my heart having to do that. It, I was the saddest in my life ever. So I started applying to schools in the United States and the UK, and I applied to only top tier universities. The idea was, if I get into these universities, only then am I supposed to leave. If I don't, end of story, bye-bye, Tata, whatever. I don't care. Right? And um, I got through to some schools in the UK. I got through to some schools in the in the US. I hadn't heard from Columbia up until I got my CA final result the same day as I got my acceptance from Columbia. I'd failed my CA exams. I'd actually gotten into Columbia. So I look at my dad and I'm like, listen, that's this is the end of it. I'm going to go. And there was some resistance from my family. But at that point, for the first time in my life, I was grown enough to put my foot down. I was grown enough to say, I will take the risk and I will take the costs associated with that risk. And this is what maturity is made of, in my view. This is only retrospective learning. I'm not trying to prescribe something. I've only learned that maturity is made out of being willing to take the costs of the risks that you take, the costs of the choices that you take. Being observant in your failure is what maturity is made out of. And I was like, I get it. I was like, I get it. That's what I want to do, right? So um, I left for America facing substantial resistance from people around me. And eventually, these very same people, including my family and people around me, really started understanding where I was coming from when I moved to America. I came here. I wanted to study philosophy. I sat in my first philosophy lecture. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to learn philosophy like that. And so then I searched what I wanted to study. And I mean, I boiled down to economics, even though I dislike economics, I dislike studying economics. It's just, but it's just such a fundamentally irreducible, immutable part of 
understanding how humans operate that I pushed myself through it. And then I was thinking of studying film and, and film literature, but then I eventually ended up studying psychology, which I think has been my primary form of romance, my primary form of communicating philosophy too. Phenomenal. Every time I say it, phenomenology. Yeah, I basically started doing phenomenology, which is basically how does phenomena rise in your head and what does it mean and how do you go about it? So it's it sort of became like this cross between psychoanalysis, psychology, phenomenology in a very philosophical way of communication. I don't know how to place myself across the spectrum, but this is generally how it ended up being. And then about a few years ago, I was so moved by listening to some of the podcasts that were helping me grow that I was like, I'm going to start my own. And it started off as a joke. It started off as just me talking to my friends people I knew around here at Columbia. In fact, I just edited my page's description. I didn't realize that the description was still reflecting my original joke. And then it started growing. And every day when I look back and I see the, the kind of people I've spoken to and the kind of people I've met and the kind of people I've been in contact with, it's phenomenal. I think it's very important that I be authentic about my journey. And the reason why I think I should be authentic about it is because it reflects, it affects all the people who are listening to this right now. They understand that it's actually just one brick a day until the castle is built, it's not very difficult. It might seem that it's very far off. It's not very difficult. It's very, very, it's very, very close. It's very, very proximate to you. It's absolutely the first thing that you can do is, is what you can do right now. That's all. There is um, what happens when we set off to do tasks is that we imagine too far. I think it's it's sort of beneficial to be stupid when you set out on an adventure. There is a sweet spot of stupidity that helps you when you're on an adventure. And that stupidity is, is, is some form of not evaluating your probabilities, right? Like if I was to think about the probability of this, what I'm doing right now being successful, back when I started, if I was to project a year and three months into it, I'd be like, this is not going to work. I should not do it. But I was stupid enough to be like, okay, you know what? I think this might work. Okay, okay. And I mean, I started doing it and I got no views and I just kept doing it. And now if you ask me what my probabilities of this working over the next few years is, I think it's it's higher. It's way higher. And I think that's the beauty of it. Just one brick a day, just one brick a day. And you keep going and you stop listening. I have lost. I used to be one of the most social people I knew. Like I, and I don't mean that as a compliment. I was just always hanging out. When I go back to Columbia's campus, I'm still a student there, but I barely hang around there. I just wonder how I spent my days before I, I was doing this because I was talking to so many people. I had so many friends that I do not interact with on a daily level anymore. And that is primarily because I just started spending more time doing my stuff. And I think it's been phenomenal. It's been phenomenal being a recluse, being isolated. I'd never minded it. I've never minded it less. Right. Right. Right, 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 right. All right. Um, I think that was a good rant. Now I'm going to talk about some of the most interesting reading hacks that I have, some of the some of the things that I have to say about how people should read their books, how people should acquire their knowledge. And I mean, I'm going to use the example of books. You can extrapolate it to audiobooks, podcasts, articles, news feeds, Twitter feeds, blah, 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 blah. Almost everywhere this stuff works. Almost everywhere, except like a few exceptions, right? Like there will be a few exceptions because there is something to be said about how the medium communicates itself, right? A book is passive. It's closed. It's not in front of my eyes. Only if I open it is it in front of my eyes. And even then, it's not as simple to turn a page as it is to just scroll up a news feed, right? So there is going to be some context dependency, but these are general rules 
follow for influencers of some sense gets questions at the point about where how do you acquire these perspectives and the answer is we acquire elements of perspective which is facts and knowledge and values and how do we do that we set out on adventures we find the right books and we find the right people to listen to and then we spend time with ourselves enough to synthesize those ideas in our head we spend time with those ideas as friends trying to see how they make sense so if somebody is sitting with a pen and paper if somebody has an evernote if somebody has something i will i will copy and paste my notes afterwards too but if you're looking to understand how to read how to acquire knowledge this is where you should be gluing yourself right now this is where you should be starting to write so the first thing i do i order more books than i should have i mean i joke very often it's like the chopaholic instinct that you know people laugh about when they see it in movies for me i have literally walked out to buy one book that's worth 8 dollars and i've left one store went to the other went to a third and then ordered some books off amazon and spent 120 dollars in that meanwhile i buy books in bulk and i buy them on instinct and the general idea is the more books around me the better it is i may not read any of them i might read all of them i might read some of them it does not matter i just like to be surrounded by books there is no selection process per se it's very instinctive i feel like this book's going to be good i buy it books is something i you know i've been in america 3 years i've never bought a piece of cloth like i've never bought a piece of pants i've never bought and i've bought none of that ever since i've been here in america i'm still wearing the clothes this is like 4 5 years old i'm not fond of it i would just rather spend that money buying books and i waste oh, so much money buying books it just hang around but here is the purpose here is the purpose i want them around me because they remind me of things that i've read or can read upon they remind me of the different dimensions that exist in our reality so if i have robert trivers's folio fools a book that i've read for like 40 minutes to an hour since i've bought it i haven't had the time to read that book or the interest to read that book i now understand that there is an evolutionary basis just because this book is near my bed i am reminded that there is an evolutionary basis of deception that eventually leads to how we think about intelligence how we think about human behavior from that one single point engine deception that's robert trivers's thesis now i know what he has to say and then i can use that model the scaffolding of the idea the scaffolding of the idea selective pressures right natural selection all those little things and the, and the and the other rhymes and reasons that he uses and export that from his book and import it to all the other ideas that i have um nasim taleb i'm sure a lot of you have heard about nasim taleb has a very interesting opener to his book black swan where he talks about umberto eco a very famous italian novelist and somebody goes to eco and he they they walk into his room and they see all these books and they're like umberto have you read all these books and umberto laughs he's like these books are not to be read they're to be kept and this is what taleb calls umberto echoes anti library and i read this very early on since i decided i was like okay i need to have an anti library and the general idea is that knowledge is not an ornament that knowledge is not supposed to be something that shines and lustres off of you that's not the intent if you're acquiring knowledge to signal competence hey listen i got it i know what i'm doing 
then you're doing it wrong. Then you're not doing it for the right reasons. Umberto Eco, that man, or at least I, buy those books for research. To be reminded. It's like the, it's, it's the reason that people buy paintings. To be reminded of a particular state. A particular state of mind. That's the reason. That's why I create an anti-library. That's why I have books from such a wide variety. And I keep them in sight. The fourth thing. The first thing was I order more books. The second thing is I order them on instinct. The third thing was that I keep them around me, which is the Umberto Eco's anti-library concept. The fourth thing, as soon as I bought my books, is that I listen to them on YouTube and podcasts. I will, I will go over a summary so that I know what I'm playing with. Only the basic pieces. It's like I put a chessboard down and I set the pieces. And that's all I'm doing. Because the pieces are the author's dictate. So I set the pieces. That's all I'm doing. And then I decide that I'm never going to finish the book. I barely ever finish a book anymore. I read parts of it. I read the chapters that I want to read. I read chapters that I go to chapters straight that I want to read. And that's all I read. Because what I'm going for, and I will re-emphasize this point as we go forward, is not what is said in the book. I am not looking for the ornamentation of that knowledge upon me, that glist, that luster of what I've learned upon me. What I'm looking for is what I'm looking for, is what I'm curious about. How did the global financial recession of 2008 happened. So when I'm picking up Arguing with Zombies, a book by Paul Krugman, I go straight to that chapter. I want to learn that. I want to know what he has to say about that. I'm not looking to ornament myself with, oh, I read that entire book. I read that. That's not what I'm going for. When I hit a disagreement and I make notes, I was sharpening a pencil earlier after years today and I was like, huh, this still exists. huh? I make notes, especially when I disagree. And when I disagree, I don't walk over the disagreement. I close the book. I let myself simmer. I see why the disagreement exists. And I see what the synthesis, the superposition of this disagreement is. How can I combine these ideas to make sense? I spend time with those books. Right? I then also, once the, the, the disagreement is resolved, either I'm right or they're right or some version of both of us are right, right? Eventually, um, what I do with most books that I read is that I create a bridging logic to my reality. So a good example is, again, I read Paul Krugman in 2008 Financial Crises. I understand how he's thinking. I see, hmm, now 2020, this is what's going to happen. A recession looks likely. What would Paul Krugman say? Hmm, that's interesting. So that's what I do. I create a bridging logic into my immediate reality. Say this was not 2020 and coronavirus was not here and recessions is not what we were looking for, but I still read that book. I'd be like, okay, these are the pointers I must be looking out for in the future to spot a recession. So I take that abstract idea, something made out of words and symbols only and sounds only, mental representations in my head, and then I convert it into a more tangible real phenomena that I can understand, that I can apply. And that creates for a perfect bridge to learning. Then you no longer have to ask the question, how do I retain all the things that I read? You don't have to retain them. You have to convert them, make them applicable, make them your tools. You have all this wood and steel and iron and, and gum and glue and all these little things. You create a tool out of them and you keep it in your toolbox to be used at a later date or to be used continuously, depending on what that concept is. Right? 
then there is something very interesting that I do um, that I had no idea that a lot of people don't. Like, I genuinely did not until I was speaking to a few friends and they were like, you're weird, bro. You, you do this. This is so weird. So what I do is um, I read half. Half, sometimes even less than half. So, for instance, what I'll do is I'll, I'll pick up, this is the this is a book that I have next to me. Uh, the Predictioner's Game is a book by Bruce Bueno de Mesquita. He's a very famous political game theory analyst. I take that book. I read half of it. I figure out how this guy is talking, how he's thinking. Right? And then I try to imagine how he would finish the book. And then I let it simmer. I sit down with it. I just let it set about unconscious processing of ideas. There is a conscious part of you. You are aware of processing it. There is an unconscious part of you that's doing its job without you knowing it. And this becomes very, very obvious in psychotherapy. So, oh, in fact, psychoanalytical therapy, more so, where what you essentially do is you just say something and you go back home and your mind's just playing with it in the back of your head and doing its job. And so this is what I do with books. I'd finish them halfway, I'd keep them and let my unconscious mind do it. Then before I'm about to pick the book up again, I will do the conscious simmering of it. I'll be like, okay, what exactly did my unconscious mind do? Ah, okay, nice, interesting, right, right, right. Oh, wait, that's where it's wrong. I can fix that, okay. And then I try to read the book spot where I was wrong in my prediction, where I was wrong in anticipating what this guy might say. Right? And then I just see how I can create a superposition between those differences. I evaluate, I disagree with myself. I'm like, okay, this is blah, blah, blah. blah. Okay, this might be right, this might be wrong. And this, you don't have to finish a book entirely for that. You don't have, you, you can finish the book a fourth, you can finish a book three fourths and then it depends on where you're at with your skill level. When it comes to reasoning, when it comes to logically anticipating, when it comes to predicting. And you finish the book, maybe you finish all of the book, leave the last 50 pages. And then you're like, okay, let me see how this would finish in my head. Or if you're very apt at it, you just start with the first 50 pages, you close the book and you see how apt am I. And then I go back reading it. The general idea is I'm not insecure about missing the nooks and crannies in the book. I'm not insecure about one, finding out that I'm wrong, two, finding out that I did not read a page. Because those words are not wealth to me. They're not coins and, and currency to me. It's food for me. So I just want enough to just feel full. I don't want all of it. That's, that's, that's how I read. That's my fundamental process of reading. My intent is to acquire the writer's voice in my head. So I can create a copy, a dummy, place it in my head. And then the next time I'm in that situation, I can think like that writer. Or if I forget entirely how to think like them, I can pick the book up because it's next to my bed. Because I have all these books around me. And then I'm like, okay, 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 that's how he thinks. Okay, okay, right, right, right. A lot of times I've found people reading stuff, intermediary stuff, things that are building up to an eventual claim. The claim might be novel, but the buildup is known. But people still read the known stuff. And I'm like, you can skip through that. Just turn the pages, scan them. Okay, this I understand, this I understand. Move forward. And again, there is a context dependence in the sense like, what's your skill level? Why are you reading it? Blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you don't have to stick to reading every word of the book. It's just not, it's just not compulsory. But we are taught to read that way and we read that way all our lives. Another thing that you can do if you're scanning pages is that you read the first three words and the last three words of a line, your mind will construct what is in the middle. It does not work all the time, depending on how dense this reading is and how, like, you know, how much substance is being communicated per word. If 
it's loser. Imagine Joe Rogan's podcast, right? You can just tune off for a while, come back, and things are still happening. You're like, okay, I catch hold of it. That's not dense. But Eric Weinstein's podcast, super dense. If you miss something, you have to Slavo Zizek's speech, dense. You have to go back, right? So depending on how dense it is, you can pretty much do first, last, first, last. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Move forward, move forward, move forward. Right. Then um, I read multiple books at once. I will read two or more books at once. And I will let them talk to each other in my head. Okay, this is what Krugman is saying about the financial crisis. And this is what Demeskita is saying about how political game theory works. And Robert Trivers spoke about deception. And the financial crisis were deception. And the way we resolved it wasn't truly, was also very deceptive, wasn't truly honest. Okay, huh? how is that coming together? How is the game theory being applied to deception here in the financial scene? And how is it causing the economic crisis? That's how I let these ideas talk to me in my head. I let them have a conversation. And th that is where the superpositions are being created. An atmosphere of synthesis, where ideas are connected, where balance is struck. There is, um, there is a professor I had. His name's David Kitte, right? And I've been trying to get him on the podcast forever, and hopefully I will. But he has a famous speech from BlackRock City, from Burning Man, from a TEDx at Burning Man, where he talks about how much, question mark. And he says, it's such a boring question to ask how much, but it's such an important question to ask how much. He says, it's so important because most things exist in the gray area between the blacks and the whites. It's very important when we establish differences between us to ask how much. How much conservative are you? How much liberal are you? Right? How much of so-and-so exists? How much of so-and-so exists? And that's essentially what you're trying to do in it all. You have to ask yourself, how much? Is it an 80%? Is it a 70%? What is the other 30%? So I let these ideas talk to me in my head. I talk about these ideas with myself. So... This process of me talking about how I synthesize, this is me talking about my ideas of reading. I talk about this with myself, not just on my podcast and my content stuff, but also with my friends. I will explain it to them. First principle, starting from first principle, ground up, basic, bottom up, absolutely bottom up. And the whole function that that fulfills is it makes the idea clearer to me. Until speaking is not the process of expressing what you know. Speaking is the process of actually finding out what you know. How detailed, how much in detail you know that. When you speak, you take this mesh of concepts, mental states, mental representations in the back of your head and you funnel them through a bottleneck of symbols that make sense to everybody. So speaking and writing articulation is not a process of saying what you know, is a process of establishing what you truly know. And so when I try and talk my ideas out, when I try and explain people those ideas, sometimes force. People don't like it sometimes when I'm going about that. But the general idea is I become clearer with them. And I talk about these ideas with me in my head too. I will let them debate in my head nonstop, nonstop. Because I hate being right all the time. There has to be something wrong. How is it that there is nothing wrong with me? It has to be the case. It's only obvious. Right? So that's something also I do. Um, I'm very whimsical and non-judgmental with my reading process. I'm very, very whimsical. I do as I please. There is no constraints and restraints. I don't judge myself for reading the way I read ever for whatever book I read. The attempt is to discover what I cannot store. The attempt is to discover, I wrote this line, the attempt is to discover what I cannot store all I could and then use the discovery on an everyday level. The attempt is to understand all the pieces and then use them, funnel them inwards. Right? Ideas are not ideas. 
आइडियाज आर नॉट आइडियाज दे आर नॉट जस्ट सेल्फ एग्जिस्टिंग आइसोलेटेड आइडियाज अच्छा ठीक है वी अंडरस्टैंड से हाउ क्लासिकल मैकेनिक्स न्यूटोनियन मैकेनिक्स राइट द थ्री लॉज ऑफ न्यूटन equal and opposite force no friction will go on forever blah 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 that's an idea that you can use to circumvent or physical phenomena at least most of physical phenomena but does that same principle apply somewhere else does thinking about it in the same way apply somewhere else that is that is a process of extrapolation and that's what i'm letting do i'm i'm interacting with ideas completely i'm using them as tools not just to solve this problem but all the problems it can solve every idea in some sense becomes a swiss knife like that right all right those are at least my tools for um, reading that's how i go about reading now before we go on to answering some of the other questions i got on my instagram um let me see have i got any questions here skeptic community has become you achieved that state where you can do half book thing what about the beginner you can do that too you probably might not be able to do half the book use 45 uh, 75% of the book right and here's the deal almost all these skills like i've said over and over are context dependent they might work for me they might not work for you it's usually the case they might work for me they might not work for you so figure out what works for you you can start off with what i told you but figure out what works for you and if you forget somebody just asked me if you forget that's fine what's the why 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 do you dobara utha lo na pick the book up again big deal whenever you forget okay and that's why you annotate your readings as you go you mark the points that are essential that's exactly why you do that um somebody asks me i am a guy with zero intellect compared to what you do i mean ask yourself do you even want this intellect i mean the, it's it's not obvious that somebody would want to be me or whoever is intellectual to you i don't see it i mean if you ask an honest person who's extremely intellectual they'll tell you it's not that fun it's extremely burdening especially if you're bent on truth the way i am i just can never settle with ideas easily so i don't know but if you really want to do that start reading start picking up books i i just mentioned the multiple ways in which you can go about reading and i think it's a phenomenal tool start listening to the kind of people you want to be like because that will help you burn the image of their voice in your head and then you can think like them even in their absence and you do that all the time like if i ask any of you to imagine your father right now in your head and he's saying he's commented he's commenting on this live session he's saying something about this live session right now you can imagine that right you have his voice burned in your head you have his voice the way he speaks burned in your head that's why so that's the same thing you want to do with whatever form of intellect that you want to acquire say you want to have a mathematician's intellect listen to multiple mathematicians mathematicians real mathematicians i don't mean people who give tuition classes even that will help but real mathematicians right um when i touch a book i get sleepy yes you have to learn how to read it takes a while so in the beginning read what you love whatever that might be and then eventually you will start liking to read and then you can read what you don't love because then you by then you love reading itself that's what you do of course it's hard anything that's worth it is hard anything that's worth it is hard if it's too easy it's not worth it your mind will not rate it worth it enough all these reasons you're giving yourself to not read you can say prakhar reads you know prakhar is xyz abc you can say blah 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 reads he's xyz abc is all lies all lies 
you can do that too there is nothing special about me maybe except for my hair there is nothing special about me absolutely get on that do you feel you got to copy people in order to bring some traits of that person to self it almost happens unconsciously for most people it's called pattern matching it's it's purely mimetic behavior it is signaling consent that's pattern matching so it automatically happens but i don't usually because here's the deal if i have nothing that i disagree with xyz on then who the hell am i even i'm just x version 2.0 i'm just modi version 2.0 kejriwal version 2.0 prakhar version 2.0 what's the point i want to be me and so even if there is some amount of unconscious pattern matching that happens most of what i have to say is born out of the disagreement i have with other people that's where it comes from hang around people you disagree with hang around people you would not have usually spoken to that will really sharpen your edge there is a simple process of distancing yourself from your ideas it is because we do not have we have not really inquired on the nature of the self who am i even that we think my ideas memories experiences are what i am and so if somebody criticizes my ideas then i am the one being attacked no 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 your ideas have always changed and they will always change so what is the point of personalizing ideas let your idea be separate from you now you can play with it if it's you you're playing with yourself and that's hard to do separate it and then hang around people who will attack it and then you try and defend it and that will make this stronger you hang around people you disagree with that's one of the best ways to grow um were you this smart when you were in india and has the american culture affected your intellect in a positive way um i think i started tending in this direction sometime around 2015 2016 when i was hanging around a few friends who were interested in stuff like that and that is the reason why you should hang around people who are like you or who will help you advance an interest in a particular direction so there is a need for people you disagree with there is a need for people you are similar to both of them should form part of your friend circles and so i had started tending myself towards a philosophical direction back then as well but when i came to america i was overly exposed to this intellectual mindset where ideas were weapons and currencies that we were trading ideas became the fundamental unit of existence at columbia and so when i chased that it got better and better but i've always been very curious i've always been very very hungry for knowing and initially that that urge to know came as an urge to be in control for a long time now it has evolved to a place where knowing is just pleasure in itself all right um i spent too much time on my phone can you speak about phone addiction i mean why don't you speak about phone addiction how difficult is it to keep your phone away are you really that powerless are you really going to make yourself feel that powerless that i cannot do away with my phone and if you cannot find something constructive on your phone optimize it what do you want me to say about phone addiction bro phone addiction is horrible yes your your everything about your phone is made to get you addicted and if you cannot outdo it what's the point and what do you think am i going to be able to help you with on 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 a youtube live session telling you hey drop your phone is that what you want to hear then why can't you say that to yourself why can't you take responsibility for saying that to yourself for giving yourself the permission to do away with your phone for however long you need in a day right can you not can you guys not hear me properly is that what's up all right i think um, 
I think that's the general extent of the show today. I wanted to do more, but I'm I'm assuming there is some kind of audio issues. So thank you so much for hanging. Now it's okay. 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 Thank you so much for hanging. I will upload this on my YouTube. You can watch it anytime later. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me DMs on my Instagram, comments on my YouTube. And take care of yourself. Be safe during this coronavirus time. All right. Thank you.